Hey everybody, you're listening to Beyond 1894. This is the official podcast of Louisiana Tech University. I'm Gavin Kelly from the Office of University Communications, and our guest for this episode is Dr. Don Schillinger from the College of Education and Human Sciences. Thank you for being here with us today, Don. Oh, it's my pleasure, Gavin. And I'm glad you uh, added the College of Education and Human Sciences. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. let's talk about that. That's a recent thing um, that happened with the artist formerly known as the College of Education. Yeah. Um, so speak to sort of the idea behind that name change and kind of what that means. It's a great name for the college, the College of Education, but it really didn't encompass the outstanding work occurring by all the different faculty and the research that was going on there and the instruction that's been going on for a long time there. You know, we have other departments other than teacher education. And so when I would explain to different people well, what we do, because that's constantly a question, so what are you guys doing in the College of Education? Mm-hmm. And I start talking to either donors or external uh, folks who are interested in supporting us or people who are interested in people or legislators. I talk about what we were doing, and I start talking about the research going on in kinesiology and the research going on in psychology and the intersections of our work and things that we're doing, like in virtual reality and building out curricula and that, and the technology things that we're doing, they'd always say the same thing. Wow, I thought you guys just did teacher education. Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's no such thing as just teacher education, right. but they were right to some degree. So we don't want to disparage teacher education because that's incredibly important. And, it's, you know, it's a hallmark of what that college does. Mm-hmm. But, uh, wow, there's so much more. And so... Um, became dean and started asking our faculty if they were interested in changing the name, and universally they were. And mm-hmm. so what came up with was, so what name do we change it to? What's the name that encompasses all the work that we do? And there was College of Education and Human Development, College of Education and Human Sciences, just uh, College of Education, College of Human Sciences, leave out education. Wow, okay. But that would have been a really big move sure. to leave out education out of the, it's one of the core things we like did. Like you said, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we took a poll vote. And it was overwhelmingly the College of Education and Human Sciences, what the faculty desired, and I think it was fittingly so. And so uh, petitioned at the university to make that change and uh, did so a few times, and the timing was right uh, last year. So I'm grateful for that, and it's a much more fitting name and more apropos to what we do, and I think it will help us promote the work of that particular college and ties us into synergistic activities that are occurring with our industry partners. A lot of people don't know we have a large sum of funding from external folks that we uh, grants and so forth that we work through and uh, currently about 12 to 14 million dollars is different funding efforts that we have right now so i think we can expand that because of the yeah you know, because of the name change yeah so if you're listening and you know it as the college of education yes and college of education and human sciences so uh, keep that in mind moving forward a very apt name change so I didn't mention it up top, but I'm going to mention it now. Uh, you are currently the um, interim chair for the Department of Curriculum Instruction Leadership, correct? Um, what does that mean? Not not just what is your role, but sort of what does that department do? What How does it function? Tell us about that. Okay. Well, yeah, the interim chair. I was interim chair last year as well when I was still serving in the role of the dean mm-hmm. of the College of Education and Human Sciences. But uh, the, the Department of Curriculum Instruction and Leadership, which is a long name, and actually, we don't be surprised if we petitioned petition to change okay, that name as well. Another one Yeah, there's a, a school of education is one that comes up. It's, it's apropos for what we do. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, you know, if anything is involved with teacher education, so it could be teacher education, leadership education. And we also have a doctoral program in higher ed administration. So people that are interested in you know, things such as uh, 
uh, vice presidents for universities mm-hmm. or community colleges or uh, administrative roles and that. So we have undergrad programs in early childhood education, uh, special education, elementary education, secondary education. So if you want to be a high school teacher, mm-hmm. and then also uh, like I said the master's degrees in curriculum instruction, which means uh, how to develop curriculum, how to teach uh, pedagogy, advanced pedagogical practices, things such as that. And also a, a master's degree in educational leadership, which typically involves folks who are interested in becoming uh, school leaders. And school okay. leaders can be assistant principals or principals, could be superintendents of schools, could also be uh, content leaders, people that are helping write curriculum, instructional leaders. There's all sorts of leadership positions in K-12 education or P-12 education would be the most more appropriate name. And then, I, as I said, we also we have two concentrations in our doctoral program. And our doctoral program is a higher ed administration and also P-12 leadership. So P-12 leadership, superintendents, principals, assistant principals, and so forth, people that are interested in that training and receiving professional development in that regard. And then our doctoral program, which is, like I said, higher ed leadership and higher ed administration. So So a big part of the college. And, you know, you sort of alluded to the the name change thing. I guess taking it from a department to a school makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. So. Um, just to your point. Yeah, plus you, you start to struggle with the name, curriculum, instructional yeah, leadership. Yeah, make sure you say it in the right order yeah. and get the acronyms it's right. just the people who have to answer the phone. Hello, Department of Curriculum, <laughs> Instruction, and Leadership. Yeah. So right. what they do is they typically say Department of CIL. Yep. And, it, and most people don't know what, what that, that is. Mean, right? what, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. So some mysterious department that I happen to be the interim <laughs> chair of. So, yeah. Well, let's. Uh, let's talk about, you know, you mentioned your time as dean. We'll get to mm-hmm. that a little bit more in depth. Let's talk about how you even ended up at Louisiana Tech in the first place. Mm-hmm. So take us back as far as you need to to talk about sort of what led you on the career path that has put you here. Well, I had a long career path, and uh, for a long time it wasn't academics. So, oh, okay. Uh, but we can go back and talk about that later if there's time or if there's any interest in that. Uh, but I graduated from uh, University of Mississippi in around 2004. Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in – well, I was born in Washington, D.C. Okay. And grew up in Florida. I'm a surfer boy from New Smyrna Beach, Florida. I grew up about two blocks off the ocean. So we would even surf before class, you know, for this kind of thing. So, Oh, man, you don't miss that now? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, I have a, a little homesickness for Florida and for the beach side. Yeah, the beach and the mountains are the places I enjoy the most. So um, when I came to uh, graduate from Ole Miss, I was an extremely uh, – Wonderful experience at the University of Mississippi. You had strong advisors, great faculty. Uh, if you were entrepreneurial, it was a fantastic place to be. That's what they, when they were recruiting me, that's what they promised. That, uh, I had some skill sets that they were interested in at the University of Mississippi. They had a brand new degree program in the uh, doctoral program in science education, and they needed some help in fleshing that out. And I had some uh, talents in technology. I'd, done some HTML coding and so forth. And then I became the webmaster at Ole Miss and uh, wrote their very first, I believe it's the very first uh, online course. They okay, had. wow. So, and it was quite popular. So uh, anyhow, and the next thing I was leading some institutes and but also working on my doctoral program. But the uh, best thing that ever happened was I met my wife there. And so I owe Oxford, Mississippi and Ole Miss quite a bit uh, for the degree, but mostly for uh, Introducing me to Amy. Uh-huh. So. so, you know, 
attracted to that degree program, sort of charting your way through those degrees and that yeah. doctorate program being there for you. Was that always kind of what you wanted to do? Like what sort of influenced your decision to follow that major all the way up through that degree? No, that wasn't what I had in mind at okay. all. Uh, well, I'd, in 1973, I was at the University of Florida, mm-hmm. and I spent three really nice years there, enjoyed myself immensely, so much so that I ended up having to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was a, uh, I was a philosophy school dropout, okay. and I've ex- maintained an interest in philosophy for all these years, but uh, apparently that wasn't my ultimate goal, or at least that's not where life has led. And so I uh, traversed a few different jobs, and, and then uh, for some reason, well, I know what, my father was in the telecommunications business. He worked for uh, AT&T. So he had trained me to do some work in telecommunications, and I was interested in the technical aspects and so forth. There was this company, AT&T had broken up at that time. There was this company called MCI WorldCom that was uh, just expanding. I got a job with them installing uh, long-distance telecommunications equipment, and I became a troubleshooter for them for the Southeast United States. And then uh, when my father retired from AT&T, he and I started a little telecommunications company. So we did that for about 10 years and uh, had contracts in D.C. and Boston and uh, New York and Miami and Tampa and different places. And so we did that, traveled around and did all sorts of different types of work related to telephones. And computers were in kind of an infancy, so we were doing some early hookups on that and building out equipment and so forth. Then he retired for like the third time at the real time. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, I think maybe I'll do something different. And uh, went back to school, went to the University okay. of Central Florida. Started all over again, mm-hmm. did four years, late in life, around four, 40 years old. And you went back to school for what? I uh, went back to school. I'd had, I thought, you know what, when I was doing my uh, business, we had our business, I would do a lot of training. And people kept mentioning over and over again, have you ever thought about being a teacher? Uh, no, I had So what do you think it was about you that made people continuously ask you this? Do you think you, you kind of just put off, you gave off teacher vibes? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Probably the ability to take complex information or right. what seemed to be complex information and make it understandable and to care about it and be passionate about it and then to care about the student to where they're actually learning and, and try different ways of doing it. Um, you know, that's one of the things I learned the best things you can do if you want to be a teacher is to tutor a lot. And then you can spend time with individuals learning their different learning styles and then trying to address their learning styles and seeing how different ways of instructing the same material, mm-hmm. but to meet the needs of the, of the student. And so apparently was somewhat gifted at that, enough to keep hearing these phrases over and over. Right. It's a lot about teaching. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I hadn't. And this is unfortunate. I thought, well, what are you going to teach? And, and uh, I was really interested in like I said, philosophy and history and social sciences. But I'd had a really poor experience with a chemistry teacher in high school. I thought, you know what? I'll teach chemistry. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I'll teach chemistry. Okay. So I'm just trying to, you know, philosophy is about understanding the world's thought. And then chemistry was basically understanding the world and material, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, objects. And so I thought, a nice blend of those two things. So I went into chemistry and, and then uh, chemistry education for my Ph.D., uh, master's in science education, and my PhD was in science education with a focus area concentration on chemistry, so advanced chemistry courses and so forth. So yeah, that was that was it. So you get you get those degrees. Yeah. You're sort of you're you're leaning into this. Do you want to be a teacher thing? Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? 
Well, I meet somebody named Amy. Right. And uh, so she's from uh, Natchitoches, Louisiana. Now it's starting to okay, make sense. Okay, yeah, it's starting to make the sense. The connections are coming yeah. now, right? Okay. So, and I, uh, you know, I asked her to marry me multiple times. As a kid, our kids said, so where were you when your dad asked you to marry you? And she said, uh, well, which time? So, <laughs> so anyway, it, it worked out. Uh, that was um, very um, persistent. And so even in, to that degree. But uh, it became really uh, clear that it was important for our children uh, after we got married for our children to be around their relatives and so they were lived in Natchitoches I'd done some work I was um, in charge of the accreditation program and I designed accreditation matter of fact one of the things I did was design large scale data structures for accreditation while I was at Ole Miss because it was a way to pay it was a way to pay for mm-hmm. yeah, that. sure. So, yeah, you got to put the dime, the, some nickels together and so forth. Especially, I just got married and had kids, three three children. Yeah. I'm a PhD student, you know, so I, I got to make a living. Yeah. And so, teaching classes and then doing that kind of thing and leading some institutes and working an awful lot. So, it wasn't unusual for Amy to call me at three o'clock in the morning. I was, I was working. So, I guess she thought that was, I, I was diligent. I was, mm, yeah. You know, I was good at that. So, it became apparent that she needed to, and our children need to be, uh, near their their family, and so um, said, let's do that. And I'd done some accreditation work tying back to that accreditation with McNeese State University. Okay, and they offered me a job as uh, the chair of their department, their Burton School of Education. And so I interviewed for it, and then uh, they offered the position. Well, I'm close to Natchitoches now, and so right. I took that position, and then uh, came here about 18 months after that because my oldest daughter wanted to come to Tech. Okay. And so I just dropped in as a courtesy call to the person who was the chair of the program here and uh, said, you know, anything I can do to help you or whatever, just, hey, how you doing? I have the same position now in McNeese. And so he said, hey, if you can, we've been searching for a math science person for years, if you come across somebody. <laughs> I said, well, you know what? My wife told me that she wants to live in Ruston, Louisiana. And that's my degree. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you have in mind? And so, that's, so that's it. That's a connection. Yeah. I guess you could, we, we could just stop here and say the rest is history, but we are, we're going to yeah, keep yeah. talking about yeah. it a little bit. Um, that's interesting because it sounds, it's almost accidental, but it's a journey that resulted in. I think it's a plan. I have a strong belief system. There you go. And so, my faith lend, lends it to uh, believe that that's all. Everything happens for a reason. That's a reason. Yeah. yeah there's a reason for it. So, I'm guessing so that meant you know the family up and moved to Ruston, not just you yeah. know, not just your daughter at that point. Now you're in Ruston. Yeah, I had to ask her if I could do it though, because her, yeah. her, her whole reason for coming, one of the whole reasons for coming to Louisiana to Tech, besides to be in an <laughs> outstanding institution, was to get away. Yeah, I said, so you mind if uh, your parents join you? You know, I said you can even drive around and pretend we don't know each other. <laughs> right. I mean, if that's okay, uh, because they still maintain their uh, the pre- previous name mm. Kaufman. And so Schillinger, so it was easy for my children to be here and uh, never know that I was yeah. associated with them if that's if that's what they wanted. Right. So, yeah. so uh so your first role here at Louisiana Tech was teaching. Yeah. And just just teaching. Associate professor. Okay. Yeah. Um how long did that go on and what kind of cause was does that mean you kind of took the role sight unseen in a way? Cause you you were here on campus visiting, and then yeah. it kind of just fell, you know, fell upon you in that way. Well, I had to interview, I right? Mean, so I had to interview okay. for, the, for the role. Now there was a search and so forth. I had to interview for the role, and mm-hmm. then uh, did uh, the interview. I taught some lessons and so forth. People watched, interacted. And so okay. Forth. So and what about tech? Then during that process, reaffirmed 
I mean, I'm sure you knew known enough about the university. You had, yeah. you know, your daughter was going here, but yeah. what, what made you say, Oh, I, I would like to teach her. I would like to have my family here in this city. I would like to be a part of this university. Well, one thing was I was uh, in my role as a chair or department head, whatever you want to call it at McNeese was I would attend state meetings and over and over again, I, I kept hearing about the outstanding program at Louisiana Tech. Mm. You know, Hey, that's a really good program there. Yeah. So, oh, okay. That's interesting. And then, um, Came here and, and liked Ruston an awful lot. It, 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 same thing as when I was at Oxford. It was a smaller community. College was, town. It's, it's college a, town, small town. It was quite a bit different. Like I said, I was contracting in New York and D.C. Mm-hmm. and Boston and Miami. And it's, it's not quite the same. Correct. Oxford, <laughs> Oxford, Mississippi. Matter of fact, when I first got there, I'd ask, so where's the, where's the best steakhouse? They'd say, well, that's the Texaco station. <laughs> yeah. I said, so where's the best barbecue? Well, that's down at the, uh, whatever, the Gulf Station. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, all the best dining here is at, at gas stations. Yep. <laughs> fairly so. and, but that's not true now for Oxford. They have some fine dining and so forth. But anyway, I thought, wow, I've moved someplace quite different. Uh, but it was also incredibly rewarding and everybody was incredibly friendly and uh people waved at you first when you come from the city there's everybody's waving at you you wonder what's wrong you know, I, I got my <laughs> sure. hat on backwards yeah. or something. what's going on here so but it was just because because people were just very friendly and very nice and i thought you know what a fantastic place to raise my children and uh to to grow a, a life together and so forth and then get involved in a church that and uh, Oxford, which was extremely important to us, and then church here, which is now the bridge, was extremely important to us. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, later, I ended up serving as an elder at that particular location, then at the bridge. And so, yeah, we built a community here and built a family here. So, yeah, in a place like Oxford and Ruston, you're it's sort of an investment. Like you're banking on this town, this city growing sort of with you yeah. but not growing too big for its boots and defeating the whole purpose of being attracted to the town in the first place so that's what's um, kind of neat about you right you get to watch it grow and you grow with it and your family grows with it and your right. friends grow with mm-hmm. it yeah and so you get to feed into people up and up and it's only only up from here so yeah. um so you're teaching we'll go back to that you're teaching and then what's your next role after that uh, you know, taking some leadership roles inside the teaching program because there's okay. always opportunities to lead a coordinator program or to do some accreditation work or write some report or something like that. And I'd written some grants. Matter of fact, a uh, partner, one of the early partners with uh, Galen Turner, mm-hmm. if you know Galen, math here and so forth, and then partnered with Heath Dems. Right. So we wrote grants together and did some big summer camps and engineering camps and things like that. So that was a lot of fun. And then I'd had this sort of interest. Like I said, when I was at Oxford, well, my dad and I grew into business. And then when I was at Oxford, I was leading to co-director for the Center for Educational Research and also led the Teach, Teach Mississippi Institute and some other things. And so uh, it was just kind of natural to build stuff. I love creating and building things. So there was a asked if I was interested in the associate dean's position. Said, yeah, let's just give that a try. You've done enough collaborating to be on a lot of people's radar. It sounds like, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I've been invited to different things on campus, yeah. and I guess asked the right questions without infuriating people. Sure, so, all right. So, uh, and got involved in the QEP. You know, mm-hmm. went through our third QEP, but I was involved in the first two, and and kept getting asked back to be on committees and things like that. Which, so, by the way, if you're listening, the most recent episode before this one, Carrie King 
talks kind of at length about the QEP. So uh, a good listen if you haven't heard it. So when about when is the associate dean comes up for you? About when is this? Uh, let me take my notes here. Sure. Been a long career. And by the way, shout out to Carrie King because she does an outstanding job. Right. So the associate dean's job was about 2009. And so uh, 2009 through 2014, okay. associate dean. So what the taking on that role differed a lot for you? Like, were you able to, were you still teaching at the time? Yeah, still okay. teaching that. And then, uh, so still doing my, my teaching role, teaching some uh, undergraduate science education, elementary and also secondary, and then also uh, educational leadership, uh, dabbling in educational leadership and so forth. Had a great interest in leadership. I've been doing that for quite a while, and then uh, also leading the uh, the undergrad uh, programs and so forth for the college. That's part of the role was, and then overseeing our accreditation and accountability for the for the college, which would be uh, in all different all the departments except for yeah. kinesiology. They don't and a tall task too, by the way. It's can typically be to take yeah, it pretty yeah. seriously. Yeah, you got to take it pretty seriously. <laughs> a lot of technical stuff, a lot of reporting right. and, and things like that, and collecting information, collecting data, and then overseeing some research aspects and so forth. But you get to meet a lot of people. Uh, you get to know the campus a lot better. Uh, you get to, like I said, that, that was a wonderful experience, and then getting to know our faculty and our students so much better. So that was, that was great. Did you know at the time or at any point during your associate deanship that the dean role was something that you were interested in? Did you make it known or kind of did it come to you? I naively applied for the dean's role <laughs> uh, three or four years earlier when there was okay. a transition. And I say naively because I just, my general tendency is if not to think about what are the procedures for something. I mm. see it and say, okay, let's go get it. Um, that's one of the things when I was at Ole Miss, the dean there, G- Dean uh, Jim Chambliss, would call me and say, Don, I've got this thing that we'd really like this initiative. Head to Jackson, Louisiana, and bring it back. You know, and then usually if I go there and meet people and try to bring it back. Yeah. And the only thing he would ask would, all right, to make this successful, what do you need? What resource do you need? Ask now, don't come back, mm. you know, until you, until you get it done. So I thought the same thing. There's a dean's position here. Okay, so what do I have to lose? I applied yeah. for it. And I think what happened was people heard some ideas. They knew I was too green here, you know, hadn't been around enough. And I realize that now I hadn't been experienced enough and so forth. But I had some decent ideas about things that may, that things may happen and how we can improve. Mm-hmm. People heard those. And then years later, when it became time to, you know, to have the real consideration for the role, it was recognized. So being such a prominent part of this college and then you're in the dean's role uh how did that change i mean there are obvious ways that it changed your duties Mm -hmm. but how did it sort of change the way that you function in the college and how did it you know throughout this you've sort of hammered home the recurring idea that you're a fan of leadership you're interested in leadership and and being in roles where you can express that so was this sort of fulfilling in that way and what was that dean's position like for you during the time you were there? Incredibly fulfilling, but also being more challenging. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. I meant by new, naive. You're not, you don't know what the job is until you do the job. Very much right? so, yeah. So you always think that you know what the other person should be doing until you take their job. You go, oh, well, gosh, <laughs> I, did, I didn't realize it was, so you, 
you can't spend as much time. You have to spread your jam really thin. And so you can't spend as much time as you'd like to refine things and to that or you just never sleep, I guess. Yeah. You know, because that's one of the things about the role was even, I don't know, ever took a vacation where we really had all the days off. It was always working. Mm. So we're, so your kids end up asking you, Hey, you're going to actually have a day off while you're, yeah. while you're at the beach with us. So, but you really, but there's a lot of things that you need to, you know, there's a lot of people relying on you and you have a responsibility to, to try to meet those needs and then understanding that you can never meet all the needs, mm-hmm. which is pretty challenging if you're conscientious that you can't meet everybody's needs and desires. You can't get all the things done that you know need to get done. And that you want to get done. That you want to get done. Yeah. You have a deep desire to get those things done, but you can't do it. So you're always ranking, listing, collecting lists and ranking and prioritizing. Yeah. You know? And some of those priorities come from external sources, you know, and some of them come because you have these internal desires and you have your ethical considerations and so forth. And, and you want to please people. You want, you want to make sure that you're serving the people you're supposed to be serving. And some days that's a little harder than others. Of course. So, yeah. uh, faculty, staff, students, administration. I mean, yeah. you get into a dean role, you're yeah. sort of serving at the university level. It goes, you know, you're, the, the, I guess, the highest representative of that college, but it goes way beyond that. So. Yeah, you have to keep that in mind, too. Yeah, exactly. You're representing a lot of folks. So, yeah, you are. So don't mess it up. You know? So then it's sort of – it. I shouldn't bother asking the question because you sort of implied it as you've mm-hmm. talked about it. What was the thought process behind leaving the dean position behind then? Different seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd been at almost 10 years doing that particular role, been in leadership for quite a while, and then also wanting to – you don't have the opportunity to become – extremely aware or extremely knowledgeable about any one particular area because you're typically solving and this is a joy i'm not complaining about it you're typically solving everybody else's problems mm-hmm. and so it's not your problems except that it's your problem because that's your role yeah. and it's your duty and you're the servant and so forth but you know, if you have a particular area of interest in research you, you don't really have a chance to become proficient in that particular area and so i just wanted to do that and spend some time uh, thinking about things such as learning engineering and some areas in AR, VR work and mm-hmm. and things such as that. And then uh, spending more, a little more time with family and dedicating more time to your health and things like, you know, it's different seasons. Also, there were certain things that I wanted to get accomplished. Uh, one of the things about the College of Education and Human Sciences, you're also the superintendent of the lab school. That's true. Yeah, I was A. Phillips and wanted to make sure that it was really on firm footing. We'd gone through uh, six, seven years of uh, with the Department of Justice because I did, we had inherited a, a law challenge that was from the 1970s. Interesting. So the, well, Lincoln Parish had gone through it, and they'd just yeah. gotten out of the unitary status maybe three years ago. And we did uh, two years ago. And then also outstanding leadership there. Dr. Jenny Blaylock is an outstanding director. Mm-hmm. And so this year— We'd gotten knowledge that we were going to be recognized as a National Blue Ribbon School. Our performance is one of the top performance in the state. We were a high equity score because we'd increased our diversity pretty pretty dramatically percentage-wise. And that diversity also, we increased our performance. And so in an age going through COVID, when most scores were going down, decreasing, ours were increasing. Because we had, I think, the leadership there, and we'd established a really strong strategic plan and followed that plan, adhered to it, and it, it came to fruition. 
So we, the school's in really good shape. That was one of the goals before stepping down from the dean was, okay, and that le- her leadership is just outstanding. So I've, I have no doubts about that. And then most of the positions are in good shape. I mean, I wish we could hire more faculty. Uh, that was uh, that continues to be a challenge, but it is what it is. But there were a lot of things. The name of the college being changed. Right. That was a goal for a long time. Yeah, years. He said years. Yeah, so. yeah, it was a goal for a long time. So a lot of things happened. Yeah. And it's like okay, it's time. Yeah, you set out to sort of hit those markers, hit those benchmarks, and then you do. If you don't sort of put a stop to it there are just gonna be more and more benchmarks and goes always fall right so it never ends that's kind of the the onus of what we do but um like you said everything happens for a reason and so it sounds like through no stop of your career journey that you've shared with us today have you felt you know unsatisfied and it's all been it's all taught you a lot and it's i think louisiana tech has benefited from you in every position that you've been in here so um i appreciate you being a part of the tech family, and I appreciate you making time for us on the podcast today, Don. Thank you. This has been a real pleasure. You've made this extremely easy. I'm grateful to all the people I've worked with here. Sincerely. Thanks, Don. Thank you for listening to Beyond 1894. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about this episode, you can check out our show notes. Beyond 1894 is produced by Louisiana Tech University's Office of University Communications.